Real people. Real opinions. Real Talk Radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. I want to talk about genetic testing. And it's a topic that really intrigues me, I'm going to be honest with you, because of the whole psychological aspect of it and how we think as human beings. And you've heard the phrase, so long as it's healthy. That's what we say about having a baby, isn't it? What are you having? It doesn't matter as long as it's healthy. Everybody says that. You know when you say to them, so what's, what's, what, what, are you, what are you hoping for, boy or girl? I don't care, as long as it's healthy. That's the kind of thing we say. I don't know if it's just an Irish thing or not. But how far would you go to ensure the health of your baby? Would you go so far as to do genetic testing before the pregnancy has even begun? In recent years, technology has evolved and we are now able to test for a range of genetic diseases before we decide to go ahead with pregnancy. These diseases include Down syndrome, Turner syndrome, cystic fibrosis, Huntington's disease and many others. You can also now check what gender the embryo is before you even get pregnant. So you can literally decide to have a girl first or a boy. There has been a test around for years for these conditions during pregnancy, but now we can do it before you even get pregnant. And I want to know, is it ethical? Let's be honest, our society does not always cater adequately for people who have these conditions or have disabilities. I do not envy the parents of children with disabilities with at least 24-hour care, particularly in this country, not because of their children, but because of the disgraceful lack of support from government for people who have additional needs. And I've had many parents on this show at their wit's end trying to get proper support, and almost all of them share the same fear. What will happen to me or my child when I'm gone? Now, considering this is genetic testing, a responsible action in today's world, or maybe you think it's insensitive and immoral and not a responsible action. And let me explain it to you like this. When I listen to a mother on the air, primarily mothers because they tend to be the carers, on the air saying that she's up at six o'clock in the morning with her child, she has to feed them through a tube, they're bound to a wheelchair, they cannot help themselves, and she works 24 hours a day caring for that child. That takes a lot of love to do that, and only the love of a mother and a child. But, and when we have these conversations, I don't for one minute want people to think that we're devaluing people with disabilities, that they're worth less in society, because that's not the way we should think. But there is a but. If I said to that mother who gets up at five o'clock in the morning and has to feed her child to a tube and lift her into a bathtub and change her and do everything else even though she's 17 years of age. If you could go back in time and I gave you a tablet the night before you got pregnant, theoretically, and your child was born without those disabilities and without those needs, would you do it? I would be surprised if they weren't honest with me and said yes. Because although we don't want to cast aspersions and opinions on people with disabilities because that wouldn't be right, we would rather not have a child that has problems or has issues or has a disability or needs 24-hour care. We would rather not have a child that has any difficulties through life or a disadvantage through life. Am I wrong in saying that? So if you can test the eggs or the embryos to eliminate that problem, 
well then why not? And the reason why not is because some people believe it's unethical. It's not ethical to do that, that we must take the good with the bad. And it's a kind of religious thing, really, isn't it? It's a religious moral that, you know, you take what God gives you. That's the way some people would have thought many years ago when it comes to children, as long as it's healthy, as long as it's healthy. But you take what God gives you. So here's the question. Think, think about it like this. If you want to think about ethical testing and unethical test, testing of embryos and cells and eggs. Theoretically, if there was a tablet invented tomorrow, called, we'll just call it Nile for the sake of it. And I said to every mother or potential mother out there, the night before you have sex or conceive, you take this tablet and it will guarantee that your child is born with no genetic conditions and perfectly healthy. Would you take it? Or would you just leave it in the lap of the gods? Now, there's no side effects from the tablets. This is theoretical. I would be so surprised if people said to me, no, I wouldn't take it. I would. So if you, wouldn't ta if you would take the tablet, why do so many people in the world object ethically to testing or genetic testing? To me, that's hypocrisy. Let me know what you think. The number is 087-188-0008. I want to know where you land on this one. Technology does exist. There's no turning back. But do you agree with genetic testing of embryos and eggs for genetic diseases? If you agree that it's a good thing that we have that testing, we could probably eradicate genetic diseases in the next 20 or 30 years. But so many countries have brought in laws and legislation around the use of it that's probably not going to happen. Not for a long time, unless we change our thinking on it. So, a world where children would not be born with genetic diseases. Is that a good thing? Or in some people's view, that's a bad thing. Because that devalues people then who have disabilities. Let me know what you think. The number is 087-188-0008. Let me go to Rachel. Rachel, hi, how are you? Hi, how are you? Now, All good. Rachel, it says on my screen that you have Lynch syndrome. I don't even know what Lynch syndrome is, so I'm hoping you'll explain it to me. Yeah, um, it, to be honest, I didn't know myself um, until my mom was diagnosed with it. It's very underdiagnosed, kind of worldwide. So it's a mutation in your mismatch repair genes, so it, mm -hmm. which normally help prevent you getting cancer. So people with Lynch syndrome are at high risk of developing um, many different types of cancers, but in particular, colon cancer, and for women, endometrium and ovarian cancers. And is there a way of avoiding that? Because I did hear something, was it, uh, it was the girl from Coronation Street or EastEnders, uh, going back in the papers some time ago, something similar to that where pe people are genetically predisposed to say breast cancer or cervical cancer or, or endometria as you mentioned and they will then have I don't know some sort of surgery to stop it from happening you know where they would have their womb removed or whatever it is you know to, to, to reduce the risk is there ways of reducing the risk um well yeah if, if you do the embryo genetic testing to identify whether the embryo has it or not um that's the only way because it's a 50-50 chance that you inherit it from your parent who has it. So Okay. So here's the thing. Do you agree with that test? 
A hundred percent, yeah. So I have four children, so and because I've had the children before, I knew I had it. Now, when they turn eighteen, they're going to have to get tested to see if they have that. And I don't know whether there was a test, whether there wouldn't have been a test probably available when you're, your kids, this is only kind of new technology and it's becoming more common. Mm. But it is illegal in some countries. It's banned in countries. Uh, and here in Ireland, you know, that kind of testing is kind of frowned upon. Um, yeah. You know, that we shouldn't do that because it devalues people who have disabilities or have, or were born with genetic issues. Yeah, so like I probably would have had that same opinion as well up until um kind of reading up about this syndrome mm. and knowing that there was a way to kind of stop it going further through the family kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um that's kind of what changed my opinion. But like I think yeah, like picking and choosing whether you have a boy or a girl or something like that, like See, this is the problem. It's I all part of the same. Th- see, it's all part of the yeah. same technology. And I, I mean, we, we see, for example, and I don't know the statistics for Ireland when it comes to termination of pregnancy, but when we talk about abortions in the UK, there has been so many abortions in the UK which were purely based just on, say, the gender of the child. You know, people saying, oh, I'm pregnant, it's a boy, I didn't want one, I'll, I'll just terminate that one and have another pregnancy and I'll get a girl next time around. And, and people fear that that's what will happen when we start using this type of technology you know, that we can identify whether they're going to have blue eyes, brown hair, how tall they'll be. And, and that's all on the way. And if we allow this, well, then we're going to allow that too. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, well I suppose I'd be happy enough to allow it then. If, like, mm-hmm. if I thought all my kids could be born healthy and happy and not have to have like, any worries about their future. Yeah. Yeah, now don't get me wrong, there will always be people with disabilities in the world because people have accidents throughout life. Yeah. Um, but for people to be born with a disability, that could be eradicated if everybody yeah. agreed that this was ethical. Yeah, well, I suppose you just have to take the good with the bad. And mm-hmm. I think. Well, stay there. Let me go to Dermot as well. Dermot, hi, how are you? How's it going? Dermot, you've been listening to Rachel, so she has Lynch syndrome, which is something... She wouldn't want to wish upon her children or her grandchildren if she passes it on genetically. So she agrees with testing, you know, to make sure that it doesn't happen. Mm, I would be diametrically opposed to any form of testing um, for many reasons. I mean, we, we've seen umpteen cases of where people were born after the test because the parents said, we'll go ahead with it where they were told that the child would have be this, that, or the other, and the children turned out to be perfectly normal. And and I've seen it within my within friends and family that um, some of them opted to get tests ahead of time, and it didn't seem to really work out for them. They, they didn't seem to be any happier. And the others... Well, you're, well, you're with, talking about the tests we currently do at the moment during pregnancy. That can be inaccurate. Uh, now, yeah, it, it is good for some people, but it can be inaccurate. This... This is not inaccurate. This is testing at a genetic, at atomic level, essentially. Well, to to be honest with you, it's very often you find things like they say, this science is 100%. And then a few years later, they say, well, actually, it's only 90% or 80%. So I I, I take... What what harm would it be? What what harm would it be if it was an 80% less chance of somebody being born, as far as Rachel is concerned, 
you know, with Lynch syndrome because she has to deal with that throughout her life now. What harm would it be if somebody wasn't born with that anymore? Well, I mean, everybody's got a risk. I mean, everybody's born with at least 109 genetic deficiencies. It could be you've got a green eye and a blue eye, which is harmless. It could be other deficiencies. So it starts to reach the point where if you start identifying all these weird and wonderful deficiencies that's in the baby, you'll start aborting every baby. I mean, or the government, if you don't do it, then the government will step in. So your your fear is this kind of Aryan race, that we're looking for an Aryan race. Is that your fear? Well, let's put it this way. Um, all sorts of things happen. I mean, China's now got uh, more boys than girls by something like 20%. It's causing horrific problems. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's other, there's other problems. The, the thing is, there's been people born who were physically handicapped, and they turned into absolute geniuses. I mean, there was one guy, and it turned out his brain was only the size of a walnut, and he, he, he was one of the top uh, people in the university. He had a minor little accident, and they did a brain scan, and they found that he had one of the smallest brains I've ever seen in a human. And he he went on to become a professor and all sorts of things. So if there had been a test for the size of a brain, he would have been aborted, you know what I mean? Well, well, in this case, yeah, the embryo wouldn't have been used, yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this genetic testing... Um, it, it starts okay, to well, turn well, well, okay, well, let me ask Rachel about that. Rachel, it's a fair point, and this is where the ethics come into it, that if you're going to go down that road, you know, I don't know, 30%, 40% of embryos could be rejected because of, it could be anything, as, as David point, pointed out, you know, there's an imperfection and one eye is a different colour than the other, or somebody might have, I don't know, a, a disease that doesn't really affect their life too much, might be a little bit of an inconvenience, but they could go on to be a wonderful person. Yeah, but at the same time, I'd say I wouldn't imagine that everybody that's going to have a baby is going to do a genetic test. And I'd say it'd be kind of expensive as well. And I'd say it'd be just more for people that would have concerns or his family history of stuff that would actually do the genetic testing. Looking for I, I think that's the way it is at the moment. But the way time works and technology works, I think it's only a matter of 20 or 30 years before it becomes the norm for every single pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Maybe so, but I can't see how that would happen because it would cost a lot to have to do that for every single embryo. And then, like, do they not have to take, like, that egg or the embryo, like, out of the body to test it? But it's like, it's it's normally done to when it's being done through IVF. I think isn't it usually these kind of things are done through IVF. Um, I don't know. So then, what about like natural pregnancies? And I mean, look if you look at the increase of the amount of women currently who are freezing their eggs compared to say, which is something we never did, thought or dreamt of going back thirty years ago. The majority of women now, or not the majority, a lot of women are freezing their eggs. Women are not having their first baby until they're in their early 30s. It used to be 18 or 19. So what I'm saying to you is, time moves on, times change. It'll be only a matter of time before it becomes commonplace where women freeze their eggs and then use them as they need them. Well, I suppose that's just where, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and, and, and by the way... Going on, the way science is going. 
I, by the way, can I just say, Rachel, I'm with you here, but I'm just playing the devil's advocate here. <laughs> but I yeah, am. Yeah, no, I know. I, 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 dear man, I actually disagree with you inherently, but in saying that, I understand the position you're taking on it. Yeah, no, it's just been, I mean, I, I'm a bit of a history buff, and I've looked at what goes on in the world and how things change, and then very quickly, surprisingly quickly, um, the price of these things drops and then the government steps in and starts this nonsense of you have to have a license and you have to pass all these points and then they decide which baby is born and i mean to give you an example when hitler got into power the first people he started killing were babies in the hospital if they were born with the slightest deficiency they didn't have to be jewish or anything it's just any baby was to be if it had one arm or one leg or you know minor deficiencies they were exterminated, and it got to the point where the nurses didn't even bother going to the um, to the doctors to say, "Oh, this baby's got a minor defection." They just killed them without bothering with the but paperwork. I, but, I, but I think you're taking the argument to a whole new level there. You're talking about babies that have taken a breath of air and are born. We're talking about something yeah. that has practically not even been conceived yet. We're talking about at the egg and embryo stage. You see, that's where the governments would love that. You know, I mean, they'll step in and say, well, this one's got whatever, you know, some ugga-bugga disease or whatever. I mean, the governments are notorious for, for be, being control freaks. I mean, you only have to look at it, the present governments. So, okay, so you think it'll be abused in the future. Politically, it'll be abused by governments. But we'll stay there for a second, dear. But let me just go to Cliff as well before I go to the break. Cliff, hi, how are you? Hi, Neil, how are you doing? Good. I mean, you've heard Rachel, she agrees with it. Now, obviously, she's skinning the game, so to speak, because she has a syndrome herself called Lynch syndrome, and she wouldn't want that to be passed on to either her children or her grandchildren, for that matter. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, I'm lucky enough I don't have anything like that myself on my wife, but um, we have had children. We've had three children, unfortunately, one of them dies and had a defect of the heart that would that was spotted. Mm-hmm. During one of the scans, one of the anatomy scans. I'm well, sorry to hear that. Um, sorry, I'm sitting across from this, or across in the, in the front room, the upstairs sleep, the rest of the other three, but like he lived for six weeks and a twin survived, but his defect, if you could have saw it at a genetic level, we wouldn't, obviously, we wouldn't have conceived him. You know, we wouldn't have bought, put him through that, living for six weeks, what he went through and what we had to go through. You know? What do you say to people that would just say you have to deal, you know, deal with the hands I'd that say, are? I'd say they don't know what you're talking about. Like I'd say, what that's all of fake. You know? Yeah. Why, why would you do that to some? Why would you do that to anyone? You know. You wouldn't do that to anyone. You wouldn't make them bring a child that's going to be sick, and then it's going to die soon after they've been born. You know. That's pointless. Is there anything unethical? Sorry, I do have a bit of a cough at the moment. But is there anything unethical yeah. about a world where children wouldn't be born with genetic diseases or disabilities? Is there anything wrong with that world? Do you see anything wrong with that? To me, I don't see anything wrong with it. I don't see. I don't see what's the problem with that. Like you know, I don't see like technology is going on and on. It's making. It's just going to make things better. People are going to be born without these illnesses or syndromes, or you want to call them, chromosome defects, whatever they are. Then why not? eradicate them, you can. See, but and I agree with you. And I think a lot of people, if they think about it logically, would agree. But then, you know, I have people listening who may have been born, um, you know, with genetic diseases or people who have children who have genetic diseases who need 24-hour care. They said they wouldn't change them for the yeah. world, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they say, 
by saying that or even suggesting that is unethical because you're devaluing people with disabilities in society. You're saying that they're you're you're saying that we're better than them in some way, or they're not they're not good enough to be, deserve to be born. Do, do you understand that? It's not my view on it, by the yeah. way, but other people have that view on it. They do, and they do. And from my personal point of view, a doctor consultant said to us with our boy Luke when he was five weeks old, "This this chances are no here. This child is going to if he lives, he's going to be more than likely brain damaged, and we don't know how much brain damage he's going to have." So. And he said, what do you want to do? Do you want to keep treating him or stop treating him and let him die? So we said, of course, we'll keep treating him. He's of course, yeah. five weeks old. But same time, if if he said, it's a very noble thing you're doing. And I said, what would you do, doctor? What would you do? He said, I, I, have you got children? He said, I do. And he said, he said I'd do the same. Like, it's, if you're going to be like that, treating a child, a vegetative state for the rest of his life, that's not... Did you, did you think about... Did you... Did you think about that at the time during that six-week period that if he survived, and, I, and yeah. I'm sorry that he didn't, and it must have been tragic for you and your wife, but but if he had have survived, that most likely for the rest of his life he would have been on 24-hour care. Was that something that crossed your mind? It crossed my mind every day and now. But he was born perfectly. That was the problem, you see. He was born without... He was born, and they said they'd treat us. We went up to Dublin, and they, they said, yeah, he'll be fine. But within three weeks, he started deteriorating. He got that infection mm-hmm. but that coupled with the heart defect is what causes death in the end but um, yeah. um no I, I did think about it every day and I prayed that he wouldn't I honest I, I, not how religious I am but I did beg God not to let him live in the vegetative state yeah and that's that's my truth you know and I have to say I told my wife that and she knows it you know, yeah. I said if he's going to survive I don't want him to well, be I, I know but you don't you, you do I don't. I don't think anybody would wish that upon somebody for the rest of their life. No. You know what I mean? No, no way. And I want. I want him to live. I want him to have some quality of life. You know. And he had a twin brother that was perfect. So mm. I couldn't. You know, that would have been. I mean. I mean. Better. Sorry. I just want to go back to Dermot. Dermot, you're listening to Cliff there. And I, can let me just turn the question around, Dermot, just a little bit to what I said earlier on, and let me word it slightly differently. And you're yeah, talking, yeah. You're talking about you know this kind of idea of an Aryan race or this perfect world, and that's you know a, a politicians would love that, of course, because they'd never have to pay out carers allowance. But but in saying that, if I said to you, or if I said to every woman potentially who was going to conceive tomorrow, that you can take this tablet, and that tablet will guarantee that your baby will be born perfectly healthy without any genetic diseases, would you take it? I would be surprised if every woman didn't take it. So in other words. Everybody wants the same thing, Dermot. The only difference is we're intervening after the conception rather than before it. I, I know where you're getting at, but um, you see, the the thing is, we're finding now that we're curing more and more of these genetic diseases after, you know, when the children are like three, four, five years of age. And that technology is increasing so I'm inclined to think that uh, the direction is to cure the genetic issues after the babies why, are born. But why not? Why was, why not? Why not eradicate it before it's born? Well, a I haven't seen any evidence that that's going to be possible. Short of you do these uh, tests and then um, what happens? I have seen it. I have seen. Dermot, I've watched the documentary about this. I'm trying to remember the name of the particular procedure. They're doing it in, in places around the world. It is banned in many countries in the world where at a chromosomal level, 
genetically they can go in under these magnificent microphones or microscopes, should I say, and they can literally fix the genes and remove genes that cause a certain thing and then put the egg back into the woman again and the baby is born without the genetic disease in a lot of cases. So it is possible. Yeah, that exists. Now, that, that's different. I mean, you're not talking about... Um you're, you're talking about using science in a, in a better way. But this idea that we're going to get this tablet that's going to cure, make perfect babies, I, I can't see that happening anytime soon. Certainly well, not well I mean, well, if, we've, if, we've, if we now understand the technology to fix, you know, the chromosomes or whatever it is they fix, the genetic strands, uh, and we are DNA, and we can do that, I, I can see a future where it will be possible to literally take a tablet, depending on what the predisposed uh, d- genetic disease might be. You can take it beforehand, before you get pregnant, and it won't happen. I- I'm only saying theoretically. So are you saying that's okay? I'm not saying it's not okay. I'm, what I'm saying is, you know, you've got to be realistic. It, we're probably this mythical tablet is unlikely to exist within the next 50 years, would be my opinion. I, I don't agree with you, because 100 years ago, this mythical idea of looking through a microscope and fixing an egg would have been completely non-existent. So I completely disagree with you, Dermot. Or Dermot, it will yeah, be. Yeah, well, well, we'll find out within the next 10, 20, 50 years, won't we? Well, well I, was only talking to a, I was only talking to an expert last night in biology and physics. Uh, you might, I don't know whether you were listening or not, but he was talking about he reckons within five years we will have anti-aging drugs that will literally make us feel younger. So, I mean... Um, well, I talked to somebody who's pretty high up in one of the big pharmaceutical companies and this is what they're not telling the general public because they don't want the general public to know this and he told me they already have the pill what's called the fountain of youth yeah andrew Steele was the expert he's an anti-aging expert he was on last night and yeah i i mentioned the fountain of youth but what i'm saying to you is all of this stuff is coming dear that's what he told me and he, he was one of the biggest sales reps around the planet for selling all the drugs for one of the largest pharmaceutical people. Well, as I said to you, Andrew told us last night these drugs are now in clinical trials. Now, they probably initially will only be available for the wealthy, but they are in clinical trials currently at the moment. So what I'm saying to you is everything is possible. Everything is possible, Dermot. I'm just, I'm only asking, I'm, I'm listening to the heartbreaking story that Cliff has given us. Uh, Rachel obviously talking about her syndrome and how she wouldn't want or wish that upon her grandchildren. You know, so what I'm saying is, if we can build a world, or if we have a world where people would not be born with genetic diseases, mm-hmm. some people would say, "Well, what's wrong with that?" I that's that's my 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 issue is that um, it's governments have a habit of stepping in and deciding everything when when this technology comes. It's historical. The Chinese have done it. The Germans did it. They, they step in, and then next of all, you need a license to procreate, and then they tell you uh, what what kind of qualities your child must have. Before but you, but you're stretching my argument into something that it's not. You're, I'm, I'm talking about people having free will. Cliff, is there is there anything in your mind, and sorry, I'll come back to Rachel in a second, but is there anything in your mind unethical about a world where children wouldn't be born with genetic diseases? No, there's nothing. Nothing unethical about it. Mm. I don't see the. I don't see the reason if you can avoid it, and the technology is there and it it will be there. Why not? Why not? You know. And Rachel, you feel you would feel the same way that you don't believe it's unethical, although it is banned in many countries. I think, including Ireland, um, you don't believe it's it's unethical. Real people. 
Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Nile Boylan Show.